welcome back to Grand the Spirits Podcast, a place where you can learn to connect with nature, creativity, and yourself. I'm your host, Laura Lynn, and today's guest is Jim Marshall. Mr. Marshall is a polymath intellectual who has devoted over 50,000 hours to the study and practice of multiple dimensions of human potential and development. He received a classical education as an honor student at a Jesuit military prep school, was accepted into an engineering program while still a junior in prep school, and attended college on an academic scholarship. He graduated college with a Bachelor of Science cum laude. While still an undergraduate, he began the study of alternative science and arts, which today would be described as transformational and holistic. Eventually, he became a professional practitioner, and after 28 years of formal education, had a long career as a human development engineer. Jim has integrated the best aspects of the most advanced techniques on the planet and expanded their limits by his own research and discovery. He has successfully treated and or trained hundreds of clients over a 40-year career and is the inventor of Septimics and several conscious expanding systems. His areas of expertise include psychology, philosophy, theology, parapsychology, science, engineering, mathematics, law, literature, history, music, organization, metaphysics, military science, political science, physical culture, and education. Please help me welcome Jim Marshall. Jim, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thanks, Laura. So you are the creator of Septimics. Would you like to talk about like how you came up with the idea? Well, before I do that, I should tell your viewers what it is so they're not scratching their heads, you know, as to what Septimics is. Yeah. Uh, because it is a new subject. So Septimics did not exist before I discovered it uh, and developed it over the past 25 years. So Septimics is a philosophical science based on the fact that many phenomena related to human beings occur in the sequence of seven levels. Literally the word Septimics means of or pertaining to seven. There is no theory of Septimics. This was discovered empirically. In other words, I was just like a guy walking down the street and I found a $100 bill on the street. Nobody was there and I picked it up and put it in my pocket. Okay? This is all empirical, uh, which suits the fact that I'm an engineer uh, because engineers, uh, and of course, I went to a school with 2000 engineering students. So I know how we are as a group. We're only interested in facts and results. We're not interested in opinions or beliefs. They're not relevant to what we do. So, uh, Septemics comprise a collection of scales or sequences, each of which breaks down various human phenomena into a hierarchy of seven steps. There are 35 such scales, each of which uh, let, me just, let me say this first. There are 35 such scales which span the spectrum of human experience 
by which I mean, there's no situation that's gonna come up in the life of any human being that will not be resolved by using these skills. In other words, it's universally applicable. Um, and that's because each of these scales is unique. You cannot infer anything about scale A by studying scale B. And because of that, they, the 35 of them between them span the spectrum of human experience. So 24 of the scales apply primarily to individuals and 11 apply primarily to groups. Uh, each of these 35 scales provides the user with an infallible way of determining the salutariness or beneficialness of any group, individual, or activity. If the individual group or activity moves persons or groups up these scales, it's beneficial. If it moves them down, it's detrimental. More importantly, just finding out what level you or somebody else is on any specific scale, what level you're at, is by itself enlightening and beneficial. In many cases, just finding the correct level will bring about a major epiphany in the person's life. As far as like, for example, in the scale of basic purposes, when you find your basic purpose, that is a life-changing experience. It will affect everything you do for the rest of your life because you can throw out the other seven, other six levels completely. They're not relevant. And that simplifies your life considerably. Um, finally, once you know the actual level of any person on any scale, you can improve that person by moving them up one level at a time. Each of these uh, advantages represents major steps forward for society. Each of these scales is an axis against which to evaluate human behavior and combine to empower one to understand and predict and manage human affairs to a degree hitherto unattainable by most. So this is a major breakthrough in human development. Now, I have to say the data in this book, I know absolutely are vital for every human being and can help you to achieve your goals faster and easier by explaining what might otherwise seem to be inexplicable or random. If someone were to invite you to a rendezvous, you would expect them to tell you the exact location, the time, the day, and perhaps also how to get there. Needless to say, it's very difficult to to get anywhere uh, if you don't know where you are, where you're going, and how to get to your destination. Now, this sounds idiotic, but most people do this regularly, so much so that it's considered normal. This book solves that issue across 35 axes of human phenomena. I have so many questions. Uh, so yes. So the first one is, so the seven scales is that, does that mean that the one is better than the other or how does that work by moving up the scales that you were talking about? Okay, well, first of all, 
just the fact that there's a top and a bottom to the scale kind of implies that there's better and worse because you're going up the scale. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I talk about an upscale person, that's a person who is at or near the top of many of the scales. And that would be somebody like Mahatma Gandhi. He was very high on most of these scales, as opposed to some horrible, destructive person like Adolf Hitler. He was at, at or near the bottom of most of these scales. Most of us are high on some scales and low on other scales. And so the way you use this is either for yourself or for somebody else you want to help is if a person is having trouble, it's always because he's low on that scale. So you find the relevant scale, you get the person to understand the scale, which is not hard because of the way I constructed it. And then you help the person find his level, whether it's yourself or another. And then once the person finds his level, he will have a realization, very often a major realization about what's going on in that context. Because remember, there's 35 different axes going on here. And then once he knows his level, you can improve the person's standing by moving him up one level. And that in itself is a major advance, advancement for mankind because I have solved the gradient problem. Every human being uh, advances up by gradients. You see, every good teacher, counselor, coach, facilitator, therapist on earth understands gradients, whether or not they use the word. And what it means is, you have to increase the person at a rate that's optimal for him. You can't do him too fast or too slow. If you go too fast, he gets discouraged and he doesn't make it. If you go too slow, he gets bored and leaves. So this is the key, which is something which I, as human development engineer, mastered to, to get a client, somebody who I didn't know, figure out the correct gradient and find out what level that person was at, even before I had the concept of levels, and then moving them up to the next level. And so my clients all got better, which leads us into the answer to the question you asked me about 10 minutes ago, which is how did I find this? Are you ready for that answer? Yeah, let me know. <laughs> okay. So, I was accepted at age 16 into an elite engineering school and attended on academic scholarship. Okay, I am inherently, fundamentally, uh, psychologically an engineer. That's what I am. Now, uh, by the time I had my bachelor's degree, I knew that I did not want to engineer anything in the physical universe, meaning I was not interested in engineering electrons or motors or gears or airfoils or all the things that 99.9% .9 of engineers work on. I was interested in engineering the human psyche because that's what we don't understand. That's where we fail. In modern society, technology has advanced so far now that 95% of our problems are problems that are the result of not understanding people. 
That's why we elect idiots to be our leaders. Okay? That's why that's why we marry people and have to divorce them two years later, because they turn out to be a lemon. Okay? Because we don't understand people. So I have a long, successful career working one-on-one with hundreds of clients for many thousands of hours. All of them improved significantly. And the more they work with me, the more they improve. Now, as this was going on, I started to notice just incidentally that they were improving in ways that were predictable to me. Now, I never told this to anyone, kept it to myself, but I made notes. And what I found is, as the years went by, more and more I started observing, this guy is going to improve in this way. And he would, even though he knew nothing about this. See, I don't tell my clients anything. Guy comes into me, I say, why are you here? He says, well, I have, um, it looks like I'm breaking up with my wife. I'm worried about it, you know, I need some help. So he doesn't know anything about what I do or how I think, and I help him with that. Now, as this was happening, I would spot that this guy was at a specific level on a specific axis. And therefore, I would know that he was going to improve into the next higher level, and he would. Now, this happened thousands and thousands of times over many decades. And as it did, I just kept taking notes and taking notes and taking notes. And I realized that my clients were going up scales. So uh, I started, I had about 32 scales written down of varying lengths between three and seven levels. And I observed that these scales didn't just apply in my sessions, they applied everywhere I looked. I'd watch somebody, in life, and I'd see him going up or down these scales. And again, I never said this to anybody. I just, it was just me observing things. And that's kind of how I am. I'm a very observant person. I watch people, you know. I want to see, because that's why I was good at my job, because I would observe the person. You know, like a person would tell me something, and I would observe, what is his body language? What is his eye movement? What is his emotion? And by looking at all these things, I could see what was really going on with him. So I would know what question to ask. In some cases, I would know this guy is telling me what's really going on with him. In some cases, I would know this guy's not telling me everything. And I would ask, is there more about this that you could tell me? You see, and he would say, well, as a matter of fact. So I saw this all over the place. So by 1995, after many years of collecting this data and storing it, uh, I had a particular scale that had six levels in it that I absolutely knew from decades of direct observation was correct. And I realized in 95 that it had a seventh level. This was a big epiphany for me. When I inserted that seventh level into this sixth level scale, it manifested mathematically. 
Now, I don't know how much math you took or how much math you know, but the whole point of math is that you start with a formula or an equation and you coax it to tell you other things that you want to know. That's how Einstein got to E equals MC squared. It was derived mathematically. It's all in the mathematics. It's just he was smart enough to figure it out first. So when I saw this, these mathematical implications, they jumped out at me. And this went from being a scale, which is linear, to a rectangle, which is planar. And there were all of these data and manifestations that showed themselves to me. And I said to myself, whoa, this is big. This is, I wasn't looking for anything like this, but I have found something here. And so you have to realize that anything that has mathematics embedded in it is natural law. For example, uh, if you look at uh, the three laws of motion uh, of physics, if you look at the Pythagorean theorem, okay, all of these things are inherently mathematical. And it goes into many other things like the Fibonacci sequence, where Fibonacci was an Italian mathematician. If you look at many life forms, uh, sea creatures and plants, they manifest the Fibonacci sequence. Okay, these are creatures that have no knowledge of math, and yet they are manifesting these Fibonacci numbers. All of us in math know what these numbers are. You know, we can tell you, you know, if this number is X, the next number, we know what it's going to be because we know from Fibonacci sequence. And we look at a plant and we see it. There it is. So I said, I found something here. Now, with the mind of an engineer, I then said, I wonder how many of these other scales, these are the 32 scales or so, however many I had at that time, I wonder how many of them are actually seven level scales that have not been developed all the way because I wasn't developing anything. I was just helping my clients and making notes. So knowing what I was looking for, I then inspected all these scales and with an eye to, are there other levels here that I haven't found yet? And because I knew what I was looking for, it was able, I was able in a short period of time to develop all of these 32 scales into seven level scales. And in each case, as it went to seven levels, it manifested mathematically. In other words, it went from being linear to planar. It went to uh, a point where it was no longer expressible in a line. It had to be expressed in a plane, like a matrix. So once that happened, I said, wait a minute, this is a subject. This is a new subject that I stumbled upon because of the, the nature of my career and because of the fact that I'm a polymathic scholar. And so I sort of am able to see things that other people don't see. Like for example, I can pick up a pine cone knowing the Fibonacci sequence and I can look at it and see that 
if you look at it this way, it's got one Fibonacci number. If you look at it this way, it's got another Fibonacci number. That's because I know the Fibonacci sequence. Somebody who doesn't know that won't see that. You follow me? So I had a lot of data because I went to school for 28 years and was a, a, uh, a scholarship and honor student the whole time. So I just knew a lot. And so I discovered this. So what I did is I said, wait a minute. I can go from helping people by the hundreds, which is what I was doing, to helping people by the millions. If I put this in a book and release it to people. So then I said, this is a book. And I wrote the first version of this book was completed in December of 95. And I gave that transcript to colleagues of mine, all of whom had graduate degrees. And we all had extremely positive responses, even though their expertises were in varying areas. And the, and the responses differed, but they were all very positive. So I said, okay, this is exactly what I thought it was. And then I became devoted to writing this in a book that would be foolproof and comprehensible. So what I had to do was, first I had to discover the phenomena, which was largely done by 95, the septemic phenomena, which I had been writing down by my observation. Now, there were three scales that I discovered while I was writing the book. So I did, there was a little more discovery. The next thing is, I had to take this data and I had to engineer it into a workable system as an engineer, uh, I had to take this data and create something that would help people. That took 20 years. So while I was writing the book and perfecting the book and rewriting the book and expanding the data, I was developing the subject. Then the most time consuming part of it was I had to express this in a way that would make sense to the average reader. Now, this is an 86,000 word book. So I literally had to go through it word by word, looking at each word saying, how will the average person accept this? How will the average person interpret this? And so this put upon me the burden of expressing it in a way that people would get. And you have to realize that during the 25 years between the original transcript and the publication, I was giving these various versions of it out to clients, to associates, to colleagues, excuse me, and getting feedback. And from that feedback, I was able to reverse engineer it in such a way as to express it in a way that people would get. And I know I have succeeded at that, at that because I have have I now have 27 years of feedback of people reading this book in whatever version it was in. There are many, many versions of it. And seeing that people get it. Now I have to tell you in the 27 years since I released the first version of this, no one has ever said to me, I don't get this. This doesn't make any sense or anything like that. What I get from people 
when they look at this data. And increasingly, as I made it more effectively expressed, is, yes, I get it. I see this. So what will happen is, I'll give this book to somebody, right? And he'll look at a certain scale, right? And all he's doing is looking at it because he wants to see what it is, if it makes any sense then. And while he's doing that, he'll get to a certain level, let's say level six on the scale of choice, for example. And I'll say, that's my mother-in-law. That is exactly how she is. That explains her. So people will have realizations that they're not even looking for. And the reason for it is it's natural law. So it resonates with the reader. So as a person from a hard science background, I had a lifetime of things like this. Like, for example, in chemistry, we have something called Le Chatelier's principle. Once you know Le Chatelier's principle, it's intuitive. You look at a chemical formula, you know what's going to happen. You know that you can add this particular element into it, even if you don't have this other element, and you'll get more on the other side of the equation because you know that phenomenon. That's how this works. Do you have a book, uh, an edition of the book that has like the, goes into the math of it, of how it was derived mathematically? Well, there is a section in the, in the introduction called Y7. It's a mathematical explanation, but I've explained it in a way that the average reader will get. But as far as the whole history of it that I'm telling you, a lot of that is not in the book because my purpose in the book is not to tell interesting anecdotes. That's something that you want to get in an interview. But I constructed this book very efficiently that it's streamlined. So the person will get it and say, yes, I see this. This helps me. So I'll give you an example. About 20 years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine about politics and government, you know, just standing around talking. And I said, wait a minute, let me show you something. And I opened up the transcript to the scale of government. And I just handed it to him. I didn't say anything. He didn't know anything about the book. He didn't know anything about septemics. In fact, the word septemics hadn't even been coined yet. And he took it. And in about one second, he pointed, he literally pointed, and he said, right there, I'm right there. He found his level on that scale without my even suggesting that's what, that's, that's what the scale was for. He didn't know that. That's how user-friendly this is. So, for example, uh, there are these 31 scales, each of which has a name, which I can read to you in about two minutes, okay, the 32, 35 scales. But I give a synonym for each of those 35 names. And then there is a seven level scale and each level has a name, but I, there is a synonym for every one of, this, of the levels. So I'm giving you synonyms, which were very carefully selected so that you say, oh, I get it. I see what this is. So the, this is not inscrutable. 
it's not hard for the average person to understand. Uh, you don't need to be well-educated. All you need to know is how to read English reasonably well. And if you're interested in improving yourself or your life, you can use the book. Now, the beauty of it is once you have the book, I designed it this way. You don't need anything else. You don't need to hire anybody. You don't need to spend any more money. You don't need to join a group. You don't need to join a religion. You don't need to go to school. You don't need to become part of any group of any kind. You don't, you can just do it yourself. That's how I designed this. Uh, and especially if you follow the instructions in the book, the book is extremely explicit. This is how to study it. This is how to use it. This is how to find your level. This is how to find another person's level. This is how to move yourself up a level. This is how to move another person. It's very explicit. So is it and also the tech. Go ahead. Is it possible I mean, to, because you were talking about like the gradient of like moving up levels. So is it possible to move past that depending on each person or is it like that's what's set in stone that that's how far you could go in this lifetime? Okay, well, the way the way the way you the way you use it is this. Uh, let me let me let me give you a context. Uh, this is called hierarchies of human phenomena. So, within the realm of human affairs, there are these manifestations. So, if you are a human being, they apply to you. So, every human being is at some level on every scale. And the way it's designed is you find your level, which is a big step, not difficult necessarily, but important, it's life-changing. And then moving up to the next level above. So I have solved the gradient problem. You see, most sensible people will have a problem but not know what to do about it. This book solves that because once you find your level, and believe me, it's not that hard to find, you move yourself up to the next level and you will be able to do that. Now, for example, let's say on a particular scale, you find you're at level four. You will be able to move to level three. Might take some time, might take some effort, might take some work, but you will be able to do it. You will not be able to move from level four to level one or level two. It's too steep a gradient. It cannot be done. One of the axioms of this subject is that a level is never skipped. I have been watching this for 27 years. Now, sometimes it may appear that a level is skipped because you went through it quickly or easily or without noticing it. But that's just an apparency. Think of it this way. Let's say you're on the first floor, you want to go to the fifth floor. One way or another, you're going to have to go through the second, the third, and the fourth. Whether you take the elevator, the escalator, the stairs, or go outside the building and use the rope ladder. Okay? You can't skip those levels. And that's good news because I'm giving you the gradient. So for example, the scale of physical fitness. This really helps you because if you find what level you're on, 
you know what the next level is up, that is the thing to shoot for and you will get there. Because most people fail because A, they don't know what level they're at. And B, they don't know what the next level up is, even if they do know what level they're at. And this solves all of that. You see, the fact that there are only seven choices on each scale is an advantage. If I were to stop some stranger on the street and say, what's your wife's motivation toward you? He would look at me like I was from Mars. He would say, how can I know that? There's thousands of motivations. And I'd say, well, actually, no, there's only seven basic human motivations. And all the others are subsets of these. So you see, you're only choosing from amongst seven choices. Now, what happens when you ask the person to choose is 90% of the time, within a matter of seconds, like I told you about my friend, in one second, he found his own. But usually what will happen is a person will find a bracket. He'll look at it and he'll say, well, I can see that I'm either in three, four, or five. See, he already threw out four levels in the first 25 seconds. So then you say to him, okay, how about reading the text? Say, okay, right, that takes, what, a couple minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, depends on how long the chapter is, how good a reader he is, right? You want him to understand it. So he reads it, and then he comes back and looks at it again. and says, well, I can see now that I've read this, that I'm actually at level four. You say, congratulations, that's what level you're at. Now, let's move you up to level three. And he will be able to get there because I've solved the gradient problem. So, for example, let's say you have a parent who has a child who's having trouble in school, right? This is almost universal. Almost everybody has kids and almost everybody who has kids at some point has trouble with, with school. Maybe not all their kids, but some of their kids, okay? So the parent can say, come here, Johnny, let me show you something. Let's say the kid's 13 year old, 13 years old. So he can read this book. Say, read this glossary. So he reads it. He says, okay, now look at the scale. Read this scale, the scale of scholarship. So he looks at the scale of scholarship and he will say, oh, I can see I'm either at four or five. Okay, good. Now let's help you read the text. Read about this scale, the explanation from the author, how it is, why it works, what each level means. And he'll read it and he'll then say, he'll come back and he'll say, well, I can see I'm actually at level four. That's not so great. But you see, now he knows where he is. And then you say, okay, let's move you from four to three. And this parent has just helped his kid become a better scholar. He didn't have to hire a tutor. He didn't have to spend any money. He didn't have to go anywhere. And the kid will get to level three. Now you may have to help him. You may have to say, how are you doing on this today? Do you have any questions, okay? And help him. Now I have to tell you, as I say in the book, I, I strongly advise against ever divulging 
the level of any human being on any scale, ever. It's not productive. It's not assistive. Rather, get the person to find it himself and he will have a realization. Because at some point when he finds that level on whatever scale, he'll say, ah, okay, I see this. You see the light bulb just went on over his head. So he's a little bit smarter about this. And then you can help him to move up to the next level up. You may have to explain to him, you should not shoot for level one or two or three if you're at level five. You shoot for level four only. And when he's at level four, he can then shoot for level three. So what you're doing here is across 35 axes, and you have to realize most of these scales can be used in 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 ways by any particular person. So for example, the scale of motivation. What's your motivation toward your son? What's your motivation toward your wife? What's your motivation toward your books? What's your motivation toward your mother-in-law? Or what's my boss's motivation toward me? What is my mother's motivation toward me? What is my daughter's motivation toward me? Just using that one scale, you can really sort out all your relationships. You can figure out who's gonna give you a lot of trouble and who's not. See, if a person has a high motivation, like for example, Mother Teresa, her motivation was what you might call charity, which is level one. She's not gonna give you a hard time. She went around helping people. That's why they made her a saint. She literally went around helping people, asking for nothing back, okay? That's the highest motivation. That's somebody who's not gonna harm you, but is going to benefit you if you allow them. But if you find somebody whose motivation is revenge, and there's plenty of those people around, that's not a safe person to be around, okay? So that's somebody you might say, well, I don't think I want to bring this person into my business because this is not a good motivation. So you see, you can make choices in your life and I can absolutely guarantee you that using this book, just by reading it and applying it, will prevent catastrophes, disasters, bankruptcies, divorces, indictments, uh, breakups, all kinds of terrible things can be prevented by using this book because you can identify people. You can identify the upscale ones who you want to bring around you, and you can identify the downscale ones who you want. Okay, are we back? So, yeah. So yeah, so basically what it seems that is that it's really going to help people to move a um, little bit more and more and more until we can eventually maybe reach the top. Um, so by doing those like little steps, it really is going to help um, anybody. So my question is, is about the different types of problems. You said that they're all going to be included in there. So what is a, a human phenomenon? Like how would you define that? Well, phenomena is basically a scientific word. It means anything that can be perceived by the senses. 
So like if a bird flies by and you see it, that's a phenomenon. It's observable. Now, human phenomena is phenomena related to human beings. Now, if you look in this book, you'll find it goes way beyond human behavior. Human behavior is a subset of human phenomena. For example, there's a scale of government. There's a scale of politics. There's a scale of scholarship. There's a scale of literacy. These are way beyond the, the field of psychology. I'm not criticizing psychology. I understand it. I use it. It has benefit. But this is a much bigger subject. Okay? It's not merely human behavior. It's human phenomena. So, for example, if you look at the scale of civilization, it tells you how civilizations develop, how they start, and the steps they go through in developing. And this tells you an awful lot about where a society began, where it got to. Because you have to realize that civilization uh, is different from society. Uh, there are many societies that are not civilized. So that's just an example of human phenomena or the scale of communication, okay? That one scale alone, if you master that scale, will dramatically improve your life because it will make you a master of communication. And as far as dealing with humans, nothing is more important. Definitely. Most really successful people are successful because they have good communication skills. Like Ronald Reagan was, was known as the great communicator. That was his nickname. And he won the greatest landslide in American history when he was reelected in 1984, winning 49 of 50 states because of his communication skills. He communicated not only to Republicans, to Democrats, to liberals, to conservatives, to libertarians, to independents. He communicated. He was a good communicator. Okay? His communication skills are flawless. And if you study him against the scale, you'll see it's, he is hitting these seven levels. It's all in there. He knew how to communicate. So most people don't know how to communicate at that level. So this can help you to work out your communication. Uh, there are all kinds of things in there that people don't know about communication. And it goes in a level. And if you master those seven, seven skills, you will really be able to handle people well. Even people who don't like you. Even people who are out to get you. Let alone people in your life. Okay? It's empowering. Yeah, it seems like yeah, being able to any problem that a human could have could be solved by knowing the scales. So that's really cool. Right. So you have to realize there's 35 axes here, and I'd like to read to you what the 35 axes are because yeah. that'll tell your your viewers a lot about what are we talking about here. What is, what is this subject matter? Because you'll see after I read these that I've covered human phenomena. Okay. These are the individual scales, meaning they apply primarily to individuals. The scale of basic purposes, the scale of personal influence, the scale of choice, the scale of permeation, the scale of thought, 
the scale of identity, the scale of evaluation, the scale of motivation, the scale of control, the scale of stopping, the scale of scholarship, the scale of literacy, the scale of human ability, the scale of memory, the scale of spiritual identity, the scale of mental deletion, the scale of aberration, the scale of physical fitness, the scale of justification, the scale of belief, the scale of equanimity, the scale of attack, the scale of conflict, and the scale of reaction. And these are the group scales, the scale of relationships, the scale of life spheres, the scale of government, the scale of civilization, the scale of survival, the scale of management, the scale of exchange, the scale of communication, the scale of allegiance, the scale of sexuality, the scale of politics. Any one of these 35 scales has the potential to dramatically improve the person's life simply by using it the way it's designed in the book. So let me give you an example. Let's say you have a girlfriend who's having relationship problems, right? You can say, come over here, Mary, let me, let me show you something, right? And you can show the scale of relationships. Just the fact that there's only seven levels of human relationships and they're specified, that alone will clarify her mind on the subject, let alone finding her level, which is not hard. You can show her the scale of sexuality. If you are not compatible on the scale of sexuality with your partner, you could be the two smartest, nicest people in the world. Your relationship is not going to work because you're not compatible. You don't have to be at the same level, but you have to be at a compatible level. And you have to realize I've been watching this for 27 years. You can show them the scale of allegiance. Anytime relationships deteriorate, it's always because allegiance has deteriorated, right? So a guy has a wife, he cheats on her. That's a deterioration of allegiance. His allegiance toward her has lessened. He's gone down the scale. You see, so you can help him find where he has fallen to and move him up the next level, which improves the relationship. Yeah, so it's all about or, that's really cool. Yeah, you can you can show your friend the scale of uh, permeation. Permeation is the basic action of a spiritual ability for spiritual being. When two beings love one another, it's because they're permeating one another. That's the secret. So you can look at the scale and you can see whether he's high or low on the scale, and he can look at his partner and see whether she's high. Or that alone might explain. Because I know some people who are excellent on many other scales, not so good on that scale, you see? So you can take the person, if they're amenable, and you can show them this and say, look, find your level here. And the person will look at it and say, yeah, I can see, I'm not permeating very well, see? So you never tell the person, you let him figure it out himself. And as far as your own levels, I'm not telling you to tell anybody what levels you find. You might want to keep that to yourself. In fact, I recommend keeping it to yourself. Uh, so you find the level and see, so right there, you can help your, your friend, this hypothetical friend, resolve her. Because by the time you go through three or four of these scales, her mind is going to be clarified. She's going to say to you, you know, I see much better what's going on here. And she's going to be able to improve her relationship by going up each one of these independent scales. Now, 
sometimes you'll find four or five, six, seven scales that all apply to a particular set of facts. And you can use them all. Sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you can find one and bingo, the light bulb goes on over your head and it resolves the whole thing. So this is user-friendly. You use it to help people. I'm curious though. So you talked about looking at different kinds of um, subjects and now this is like its own uh, subject, but I'm, in I'm interested if you looked into astrology because a lot of what you're talking about, the different kinds, like how it's, how the human experience is split up. That's how it is in astrology with like the 12 houses. So have you looked anything into astrology? Okay, well, I've studied astrology. I know a lot about astrology, although I don't consider myself an expert on astrology. Uh, I have used it. Uh, anybody can use it if they study it. Um, this is a different set of facts from astrology. This has nothing to do with when you were born, where you were born, or what the planets are doing. I mean, this gives you a way, because there are a lot of people who, they don't want to hear about astrology. They're, they don't, they reject it. They don't, they're not hip to it. They don't want to learn it. You know, there are people like that. Those people uh, uh, might be able to use this to resolve these situations. Uh, many people are able to use astrology to benefit themselves. But again, this is a completely separate, independent system. Okay? Right. I it's it a whole like, set of facts. Like how you said that, like psychology is like, you use uh, psychology to create this kind of thing. So like it's, psychology is like one part of it as far as like human behavior and it's studying human phenomena. I was saying it with astrology I feel like astrology is about also human phenomena. So maybe like septemics could also be included with that um, because kind of like what you were saying before that with like Adolf Hitler, where he was at the bottom of the scales. So he essentially was born to try to get higher, but maybe he went lower in some of the scales. Or are you saying that we're all born at like threes and fours and then we decide to go higher or lower? Okay, well, first of all, where the person is born is kind of irrelevant. Uh, because this is about insight. See, when people are downscale, it's because they lack insight. When people are upscale, it's because they have insight. Now, these scales rely upon insight, but also they develop insight. Every time you find your level, you're saying, ah, see, you, you have more insight now about yourself because you're observing what level you're at. Same thing with another person. So this is extremely empowering. So for example, when I was a young person, I didn't have this data, it didn't exist. So I made the same stupid mistakes that everybody else makes. But now that I know this data and I've been using it for 27 years, I cannot make those mistakes. I will not make those mistakes. And I do not make those mistakes. I can look at a person and in seconds, I can spot that person on a certain level. I can spot this, this person on the scale of choice or on the scale of literacy or on the scale of sexuality. Bingo, just like that. Because I know the material. Now you can do that too. You just get the book you study and the more you use it, the easier it is to use. 
but I went out of my way to make it easy for people to use. For example, there is a glossary, not only in front of each of the 35 chapters, but even in front of the introduction. So I'm giving you the definitions of the words that I'm using. Each level has seven levels, each scale has seven levels, and each level has a name, and I define those for you. So for example, uh, this, there's, you know, uh, like before I used the word revenge. I define revenge. It's not vague, it's specific. This is what it is, and by knowing what it is with specificity, you can spot a person. See, if you don't really know what revenge is, it's kind of hard to spot a person because you don't have it defined. And once you define it, you can say, I see, this guy is out for revenge. That's his motivation. Look out. And that's the bottom of the scales, revenge? That'd be like a level Pardon one? Pardon me? Revenge would be like a level one? No, revenge is actually level five on the scale of motivation. Oh. It's pretty far down. It's not the lowest. But it's, you know, pretty far down there. So the whole point is you find your level and you improve your, and you improve to the next higher level. And you keep doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that. So now some of these scales are what I call general scales, where once you find your level, that's it. You're done with that scale. In other words, the scale of basic purposes. Every human being has one of these seven basic purposes. And when you find that basic purpose, you're done with that scale as far as yourself. You can use it to identify others. Once you find another person's level, that's it. That's the end of that scale. It's a general scale. But most of the scales are specific scales. So you can take it and use it in a hundred different ways. I'm just curious, what are so, the... What are the seven? Uh, Pardon? The seven scales. Are you cutting in and out? The seven scales of purpose. What are they? Just curious. The seven levels. Okay. Okay. Well, the lowest basic purpose of all is the the objective is to destroy. Okay. There are people who that is their basic purpose. Now this makes no sense to most people because it's crazy, but. There are people at that level, not that many, like Adolf Hitler is an example. If you study him, you'll see he was inherently destructive. Above that at level six is what I call the criminal. The objective of the criminal is pleasure. They're not interested in improving themselves, they're not interested in helping you. They don't particularly want to kill you, but they will if you get in their way because they want pleasure. They want drugs, alcohol, sex, yachts. Uh, custom-made suits, cuisine, you know, that's what they're interested in. And if you study professional criminals, you see, that's how they are. They're interested in pleasure. They really don't care about anything else. Above that, level five, is what I call the loser. A loser is not somebody who's doing badly. It's someone who's inherently self-destructive. I'm sure you know some of these people. Some of them kill themselves with drugs. Some of them kill themselves with alcohol. Some of them kill themselves with bad relationships. Some of them kill themselves by jumping off a bridge. Some of them eat themselves to death, okay? And die at 35 because they weigh 600 pounds. There's a, but they're all inherently self-destructive. 
you cannot help that person because the person's basic purpose is to suffer. Now, again, this makes no sense to normal people because normal people don't want to suffer. Above that, at level four is what I call the normal. Okay, this is the largest demographic group. The, the purpose of the normal is to conform. Now you can say, well, that's not a good thing. But, uh, but I say, wait a minute, think of it this way. This person wants to fit in. If everybody's watching Game of Thrones, they want to watch Game of Thrones because they want to fit in. If everybody grows their hair long, they grow their hair long because see, it's conformity. And then when the short hair comes back, they cut their hair short because they want to fit in. That's normal people. These people, most of them have a house, they have a mortgage, they have a car, they have a car payment, they have kids, the kids go to school, they have jobs, they take a vacation. You know, they're normal people. Then above that, at level three is what I call the winner. The motivation of the winner is wealth. Now, wealth isn't just money. It depends on the person. See, if a person is a professional baseball player, wealth to him means that World Series ring. When you win the World Series, they give you a unique ring and you get to own it and show it for the rest of your life that you won a World Series. Every baseball player on earth wants that ring. That's wealth to a baseball player, okay? It's not just money. Sometimes it's notoriety. Sometimes a person wants to have a hit TV show. They want to win. Okay, it's wealth in the large sense, in the general sense. Above that, a level two is what I call the leader. The leader is down for the struggle. The leader will suffer and die to win in the sense of leading people. His intention is to conquer. Like Lincoln's intention was to conquer the Confederacy. He got almost no support. His generals wouldn't fight for him. His cabinet wasn't with him. He had a terrible time if you study Lincoln. It wasn't until he found an obscure general named Grant, okay, who won uh, in really 1863 that he was able to conquer the South. Grant and Grant's friend, Sherman, who they were willing to fight. They were along with Lincoln's agenda of conquering the Confederacy. You can say, conquest isn't a nice thing. Oh, really? How about liberating all those black people from slavery? That was a good thing for those people. And then Lincoln went on to make slavery unconstitutional by pushing through the 13th Amendment. That was part of the conquest for him. So made it illegal to ever have a slave in the United States ever again, okay? Now, did he have a happy life? No. What did he get for his trouble? A bullet in the back of the head, okay? Typical leader. Leaders are, are gonna fight to conquer whatever this terrible thing is. Now, conquest is a, a question of whose ox is being bored. When the allies conquered the Axis in 1945, that was a good conquest, even for the people of Japan and Italy and Germany. They all did very well after that. Look at how the Japanese and the Germans prospered after they were conquered, right? Because we removed the most evil people from those countries. And the highest level 
is to, to transcend. That's the level where you find people like Jesus, Gandhi, um, Yogananda, Siddhartha Gautama. Their goal is to transcend. Okay, they're not interested in being rich. They don't want to conquer anything. They want to. They want to go to a high spiritual level. Uh, and that's the way they articulate that will vary according to a person's religion. If a person is a Christian, he's to him transcendence means dying and going to heaven. That's the way he articulates it. If he's a Buddhist, he might say he wants to attain nirvana. Okay. So if you're not a Buddhist, you don't really know what that means. But if you're a Buddhist, you know exactly what it means. You see? So those are the seven basic purposes. That's super interesting. Because it seems, you said that once you have one, then that's it. So you, why can't, why, what's the difference between something like this one where it's a general skill versus another one, like where you can't change your purpose, or you, but you can change like your um, scale of choice, for instance? Yeah, well, the scale of choice is a specific scale. So you're able to move on it fairly easily. See, some of these scales are more volatile than others. Remember I said every scale is unique. Every scale has traits that are unique to it. I didn't make them up. I just found them and wrote them down. And that's what you see if you study them. You'll see, okay, this is quite different from this. That's why there are 35 scales. There's no other way to express it, okay? So, for example, I know just from long study and observation, most people have a basic purpose, one basic purpose for their entire life. Doesn't change. It's very hard to change that, either for better or worse. There are examples of people who go up or go down, but they're limited. Something really, really big has to happen to a person to move from either up or down that scale. Same thing with the scale of spiritual identity. That is not easy to move on. Person has a certain spiritual identity. I guarantee you, come back 20 years later, he's still gonna have that same spiritual identity. Okay, I'm not saying it's impossible. It's very slow, difficult. As opposed to the scale of evaluation, the scale of evaluation, that changes by minutes. Minutes. Let's say you take some guy, right? Comes to, comes to visit you from Africa. Doesn't know anything about baseball. He's never seen a baseball game. You say, look, we have tickets. Come with us. Okay, so he goes. He doesn't know what he's looking at, okay? So after the first 15 minutes, he's watching this thing. And either he's going to say, oh, yeah, this is interesting. This is fun. I like it. See, his evaluation just went up. Or he's going to say, this is boring. Why would I want to watch this? See, his evaluation went down. And by the time he leaves, you're going to say to him, well, what did you think? And he's either going to have a positive evaluation or a negative evaluation. It's not going to be neutral. It will have changed somewhat. See? So that's the scale of evaluation. So you can see people move on that scale very easily. So you can move someone on that scale. Let's say you have somebody who uh, hates exercising, okay? He has a negative evaluation of exercising. 
You can talk to him. You can show him things. You can show him videos. You could work out with him. You can give him a gym membership and you can move him up that scale. And he might say, well, all right, it's not so bad. You see, you've moved him up that scale. Now you might come back in three years. This guy's going to the gym every day, okay? His waist went down by five inches, okay? He now has a positive evaluation of exercise. This guy used to be a couch potato. So this is a scale on which you can really move swiftly and easily. That's just how that scale is. I don't know why it is, it's just how it's constructed. You know, it's just that way. So the, the way to use this is find your level on each of the 35 scales. And by the time you do that, you will be a new person. You will be a clarified person. You will really understand, okay, this is my level of thought. This is my level of literacy. This is my level of scholarship. And because you know your level, you can move yourself up one level. And you'll have a little project for each one of those. Now, some of these might be more compelling to you than others. You know, there are many people who have graduate degrees who are not terribly literate. Most people think, well, either you're literate or you're illiterate. No, that's binary. That's not true. There are seven levels of literacy. And I can tell you, I know many people who have graduate degrees, including doctorates, who are not terribly literate. And that's not what they were studying. You know, like you can get some guy who's a math whiz. He's got a doctorate in math. And you can give him a great book, like The Sound and the Fury by Faulkner. He might not be able to even read it. If he does read it, he's going to have trouble with it because He's not literate. There are people like that. I had a friend in school who was an absolute whiz at math and science. He became a physicist, okay? He had a terrible time with English. He couldn't get it. He had trouble reading. So his literacy was low. Now, if that guy were around today, I could say, come here, let me show you something. I could help find his level and I can help him move up. And his literacy would have been a little bit better. Now, he still might not be able to read The Sound and the Fury by Faulkner, but he might be able to read Time magazine or the newspaper. You know, there are people who can write checks and sign contracts who are barely literate. So you can improve that person. And you can say, well, why would you want to do that? Well, Good literature is empowering. It's when you read great literature, like The Magic Mountain by Thomas Mann, that's a brilliant book. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you look at people. That's why he wrote it. But you have to have a certain level of literacy in order to read that book. Okay? So there is benefit to it. It may have nothing to do with your, your job. A guy could be working at JPL as with a with a master's degree in physics, okay, but not really be able to enjoy Shakespeare because he's not literate enough. So Shakespeare is pr probably the greatest poet who ever lived. There's a lot to be gleaned from 
reading yet. Which is why most schools require you to read some Shakespeare. So a lot of people, they read it there because they're forced to read it. They don't get it because they're not literate enough to get it. So that's a way to improve yourself. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's every subject has benefits that'll to anybody's life. Um, but I wanted to, at the end of every uh, conversation, I always ask, like, what's something that the world needs more of? And so what it seems like is by having that awareness that that's what we all need a little bit more of so that we know what to work on. And we have like that roadmap that you were talking about at the beginning. But I didn't want to put words in your mouth. So I'd love to ask you, um, what do you think that the world needs more of? The world needs this book. You know, I spent the last 27 years of my life first creating this book and now promoting this book. Because I have had a lifetime of helping people. I've helped many hundreds of people. It may go into the thousands. I really don't know because it's over a long period of time. But I've been doing this my whole life. Even as a kid, I was doing it. In, you know, my little juvenile way that I could do it. So that's why I wrote this to help people. Some guy in Minnesota is going to get this book. I'm never going to meet him. I'm never going to know his name. But he's going to use this book to have a better relationship with his wife, to have to make more money, to be a better person or whatever. That's what I want. And these people really need this book. The data in this book are vital for every human being and can help you to achieve your goals faster and easier by explaining what might otherwise seem to be inexplicable. And that's how you use it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about it. I feel like I understand Septimix a lot more now than I did before, so thank you so much. Thank you, Laura, it was a pleasure. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you learned something or if you became aware of a new idea that you hadn't heard before, please give this podcast five-star review on Apple Podcasts or go to Spotify to answer the question of what you thought about this episode. If you have any comments or um, tips for future episodes or the kind of people that you'd want to listen to for other episodes, please send me a DM at Grounded Spirits or at my personal handle, it's Laura Lynn on Instagram. Uh, you can also send me an email at groundedspirits at gmail.com. This was day four of seven. So tomorrow uh, we're going to have a great talk about NFTs and the future of book publishing. So stay tuned for that. See you tomorrow, everybody.